0: Sports Garden Network podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week here. We have a lot to talk about. Oh, I think you might know that a little bit of information came down this week. Yeah, we have massive, massive information. We will get to that. You can listen to us iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. Go to sportsgarden.com, G-A-R-T-E-N. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, all of the social media aspects. It's sportsgarden.com, 855, the number 4. G-A-R-T-N gets you a part of the show. So, yeah, I'm alluding to it, and I'm going to jump right into it. I will get into college football postponed? Nah. Canceled? Yeah, kind of. All of it? I don't know. It's so confusing we're going to get into all of it and what impact it has on the futures tickets that you guys are holding because I know that's a big part of this. Major League Baseball, I got some numbers for you early on. I know we're only in a very quick season and everyone's going, oh, it's still early. Not really. We're about a quarter way through, guys, already. Yeah, we're a quarter way through the season. So I want to give you some numbers to pay attention to there. NBA inside the bubble talk. The bubble is effectively over. That's it. The play-in games are over. Now they go to the playoff bubble. And who missed out? Who looks good? Who should we take serious? Phoenix Suns. Right? Who do we take serious here? And what is Jerry Jones doing throwing a monkey wrench into the doomsdayers prophecies that that's it, coronavirus has taken over the world? Yeah, we'll get into that. All right. First things first, you know the big news is that college football I don't even know what to say. I don't even know the right words to go down here because college football is, we'll just say, in upheaval. I don't want to say college football is postponed because only some of it is. I don't want to say it's canceled because they didn't say canceled. And I don't want to say that's going to go on as is because no, hell no, it's not. So what happened this week? Obviously, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 said, we're putting our tail between our legs, we're running away, and we're, we're just not going to play a season. Despite the hashtag, we want to play movement by all sorts of players, they had no voice. They had no voice in that room. There was not a college advocate for the players in that room. Don't make believe that there was. But the Big Ten will not have football. Pac-12 will not have college football. Now, the SEC didn't only say, oh, oh, we're having college football. There are SEC coaches out there insinuating that, as a matter of fact, not only are we going to have college football, but, uh, yeah, we're going to have people in the stands. The ACC has said, we are going to play college football this year. So you have the ACC. You have the SEC on one side of the debate. You have on the other side of the debate, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Now, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten said... Doctors have come to us, and they've said, this is what we think. We're listening to our guys, and our guys showed us some data. And they said, you cannot play college football this year. Well, the SEC and the ACC said, we listen to our medical guys. We listen to our doctors. Our doctors showed us data. And they said, you absolutely can play football this year. And stuck in the middle was Big 12. And Big 12 country was literally on the clock. We were sitting around talking and I said this week and I I said it to my partner Gary. I said, "Gary, listen, we can't we can't even talk about college football until the Big 12 makes an announcement." And then they said, "Well, we need another day to make an announcement, man, cuz we got to we got to wait." And they took their time and they announced they will indeed play college football. Now I believe that if the Big 12 said no, I think the ACC and the SEC would have almost been forced to shut down. But the Big 12 says yes, and we're going to have a college football season as of today. It's going to be an untraditional college football season. We know that. Now, what does this do to your betting ticket? You're holding a betting ticket. What does this do? (laughs) Nobody really knows. Um, I actually texted Dave Sharapin over at Caesars. I asked Dave, I said, look, he's a bookmaker in Vegas, running one of the biggest sports books. I said, what are you doing with the Futures Place? What if I have a futures play on Michigan? They're not playing this year. What do we do there? What if you have a futures play on Alabama? Well, now the field's a lot shorter, right? Alabama and Clemson look so much better. They don't have to worry about USC or Michigan or Ohio State, right? So are, aren't you feeling great about your futures take? I mean, you gotta be feeling great. When I texted him earlier in the week, Dave said, we are doing nothing. <laughs> we don't know. We, we really don't know. He said, you know, Tom, I wish I could give you a better answer. But we don't know. We're kind of waiting for this to all shake out. Now, I did speak to another uh, bookmaker who wanted to kind of be left unnamed here. And is friendly with me, and he basically said, Tom, it's all going to be null and void. They're not going to... They, they haven't announced it, but they're not going to honor any futures tickets when only two of the top big power conferences play. Then the big 12 got involved and I said, did anything change? He said, no, we're not going to change it. Some of the biggest names, like I said, Ohio state was third on the board to win the championship this year. They're not even going to play. Michigan was a top 10 team to win the championship this year. They're not going to play. Wisconsin was in the top 15. They're not going to play USC, Oregon, the big names. You can't do that. It dilutes the field. If you're holding an Alabama or Clemson ticket. Yeah, this sucks. I'm not telling you it doesn't. This is terrible, man. This stinks. If you're holding an Ohio State or a Michigan ticket, yeah, you feel pretty good, right? <laughs> you feel pretty good. So that's where you sit and your money-wise. As far as things like Heisman Trophy, things like National Championship, uh, things like ACC winner, SEC, most of them are still in play. But again, I'm going to tell you what Dave Sharpin told me, and that was, I don't know. If they were not sure earlier this week... Look, you, we can't be sure to give you sound advice. Uh, here is the advice that I will give you that is the best sound advice you're going to get. And this is why you listen to Wagering Week. Do not ever throw out your tickets because you're frustrated. Do not ever throw out your tickets and rip them up because you're mad. You don't like something. Hold on to t- it. doesn't. It, it's sitting in your drawer. It's just doing Nothing. Right. Yeah, uh, listen, you can send them in to us. Send them in. Go to sportsgarden.com. Send them in to us. We'll hold them tightly for you, <laughs> right? But yeah, listen, don't th- honestly, don't throw them away. Don't do anything with them because you want to sit back and wait. You never know what's going to happen, so just don't do it, okay? That's where we sit as a betting community. Now I will tell you, how it gets as a sports community, because it's even more maddening. And I really don't care on a political spectrum, which side of the equation you want to sit. And I don't really care if you're a mask wearer or not mask wearer, or you think it's not real and it's this, and you know, you have somebody that died. And so you're being extra cautious, but this guy doesn't care. I don't care about any of that. It's not a a up for discussion thing. What I'm going to tell you is that it's a ridiculous decision in the fashion that they made it and it's a ridiculous decision by the Big Ten and it's a ridiculous decision by the Pac-12 because of this. The Big Ten didn't cancel their season, neither did the Pac-12. They didn't say we canceled it. They said we're going to come back in the spring and play. Does anybody out there have any concept of how stupid and ridiculous this statement is? you're doing this to protect students do you think protecting college football players is making them play two football seasons in a seven-month span because that's what would happen in the spring how about the guys that'll be drafted in the spring do you think for a second if you are going to the nfl you're gonna go yeah i'm gonna play in the spring and during the nfl draft you know I, the day before the draft where i'm gonna make like 10 million dollars uh you know, i'm gonna go out there and risk an injury no no How about spring class? We all think of spring. What is spring? Oh, it's a little bunny hopping around and it's grass growing and flowers and it's beautiful. No, 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 no. Ask someone from Wisconsin what spring in early March is like. Go ask that. You think playing outside in spring in Michigan is going to be a lot of fun? Come on. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And 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 the idea that you must cancel a football season when, oh, by the way, they're already practicing, by the way. Um, after Michigan, here's a ridiculous story to, to go veer off a little bit, but this is the truth. Michigan didn't want to cancel. We know Harbaugh was very outspoken. They had the we want to play movement. And then some of his coaches said, we want to coach movement. We had, it was going all over Twitter. So it's not a Harbaugh thing. This is just the ridiculousness of the story. I'm watching the news, and I'm watching, oh, man, you know, Big Ten pulled out. There's a reporter standing outside the football stadium of Ann Arbor. That's in Michigan. Standing outside the stadium, reporting that students will not be allowed to play football this season. Over her right shoulder, the Michigan Wolverines football team is practicing. (laughs) In pants. Practicing. I can't make up 2020, man. Okay? Okay. But they're basically saying this because, oh, by the way, 12 of the 14 schools in the Big Ten are all going back full time to school. No virtual learning. Has anyone been to the Petri dish known as a dorm room at all? OK, so you're going to be able to go to your dorm. You're going to be able to go to your classroom. You're going to be able to go to the quad. You're going to go be be able to do all the things that any other college kid can do. But you can't play football. You can't play football. Who, oh, by the way, they've already been playing. And oh, by the way, the death rate for people under seventy years old is a ridiculous number anyway. But they're doing this to protect the kids. To protect the kids. I hate to tell you what they're gonna be doing with jello shots in about an hour from then, okay? But where those jello shots are going, way more dangerous than than what they're gonna be doing in probably a heightened elevation where we are making sure everything's okay and everything's great. Anybody watch Hard Knocks this week? That's what they're doing. Every day somebody comes to the stadium and taking their temperature. And if you want to get more ridiculous, because why not, Iowa, one of the schools that said in the Big Ten, we absolutely want to play. It was only Iowa and Nebraska. Iowa is not allowed to play football this year. Iowa Hawkeye season has been, I can't say canceled, has been postponed. Iowa Hawkeye's football is done. It's too dangerous. You can't play it. There's no way. Iowa State in the Big 12 is going to (laughs) play. Okay. You know, that's safe and this isn't safe. I mean, I I hate to laugh, and I'm not laughing because of the children. I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. It's absolutely so ridiculous. Nebraska now wants out of the Big Ten, and they were never a Big Ten team to me. They've always been a Big 12. They want out. They want out. The fallout from this is also even more so. First of all, the NFL. Now, I don't have to say the obvious where some of these kids are never going to play. they never going to put their pads on again and things of that nature. But from a betting perspective, let's also remember there's going to be transfers. You don't think that. Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida State, Clemson, and these kind of schools, Texas, you don't think they're going to use it as a recruiting tool to grab the top prospects away from Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin? You don't think that that's going to be a massive tool? Saban sitting back chuckling to himself at the power you just gave him. It's going to be a while before the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are actually meaningful. It's going to be. It's just going to be ridiculous. With the Big Ten posting uh, their dismay, you just gave full. I mean, just absolutely full power to the other three conferences. You just gave full power. So if that wasn't depressing enough, and that wasn't as bad as as you could possibly get, my week got worse when the Pac twelve canceled all non-conference games in men's basketball until January. Basketball is already being canceled. Pac-12 has canceled football. The Pac-12 is now canceling their basketball non-conference. So, okay, you could play within the Pac-12. All right. But you're doing that until January. This is preemptive. You have to think that Pac-12 and Big Ten are step-in-step and and hand-in-hand in this that Big Ten basketball will probably be canceled. And if you have no Big Ten basketball and you have no Pac-12 basketball, do we truly have a March Madness? Do we have any idea of a March Madness? And I'm asking these questions because it impacts our wallet. I mean, that's what it does. You you look at what does it do for the future's play. Sure, you know, you're just going to cancel it. But there are people already betting college basketball, and I'm not sure that you can have a legitimate ticket. Look, there will be adjusted lines on this stuff, right? They will have, if the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC play, uh, you know, whatever form of their schedule is, how are they going to come up with a champion? I don't know. Maybe the winner of the ACC plays the winner of the Big 12, and then that plays the SEC. I'm not sure. And they don't know. They truly don't know. And to give you even further about the Big Ten, I want to go back to that real quick. Uh, It was learned that three days before time, three days before this announcement, the Big Ten had never discussed playing in the spring. So nobody really knows what's going on. But from a sports betting perspective, there will be odds. Oh, there will be odds, right? There will be odds. Yeah, it's going to originate from the offshores where it normally does, and Vegas will jump on it next, and then you'll see the other states in Jersey and all over the place. It will there will be odds, but they will be massively adjusted odds, and they also know that most of the public doesn't understand that Alabama and Clemson were the perennial favorites anyway, and maybe they wouldn't have had a problem. So they're going to take advantage of it. You're going to see terrible odds on College Football Futures plays. You're gonna see them adjusted and moved, and this is an opportunity for the books to kind of take advantage of the rube. You listen to this show, you're not that. You're smarter than that. Be careful of these adjusted odds. Be careful of overreacting to, oh my goodness, these adjusted odds. The big boys still have to go through the big boys, and if you're not one of the big boys, you still have to go through the big boys, right? Uh, losing Ohio State is big. Anybody really think Michigan was winning a championship this year? Show of hands, how many think the people uh, out there think you lose Justin Herbert and Oregon's going back to the championship, right? No, the big teams that were in the hunt for the championship are generally still there with the exception of Ohio State, who was a big threat. Don't be fooled by the adjustment of the odds. And then we get into the idea of March Madness. I'm just saying now, don't waste your time betting a futures play. Don't try to get advantages and say, well, you know, I'm going to bet an ACC team because they're not going to cancel. Oh, that's a good thinking. Chances are the books will adjust. The books are going to adjust if there is no March Madness, if there is no ramp up. Uh, Pac-12 not playing a conference schedule is probably going to turn into Big Ten playing no-conference schedule, and so on and so forth. Now, I did mention that I was going to say something about Jerry Jones, and you think, well, Tom, you're transitioning from college football to pro football. Well, here's why. Jerry Jones came out late this week. And Jerry Jones, um, look, you could say he's old. He doesn't know what he's saying anymore. He is whatever, okay? you can Have fun with the Jerry Jones thing all you want. The reality is he is the pulse of the NFL. He is the most powerful owner in the NFL, bar none. I don't even want an argument about that. He is the most powerful owner in the NFL. He basically speaks for the NFL. And Jerry Jones came out and said, there will be fans for Dallas Cowboys games this year. His reasoning, they have a really good air filtration system. (laughs) I don't know if we should chuckle or go, hey, he's onto something, right? Now, I've said all along, I think the NFL is going to have to go to some kind of bubble. I think it would be a southern bubble. Maybe New Orleans and Dallas were two of the cities that I threw out there. Uh, Maybe you throw in something in Florida as well. Whatever the situation is, when Jerry Jones speaks... I'm listening when it comes to protocols in the NFL. And Jerry Jones came out and said, not only will there be an NFL season in Dallas, there will be fans in the stands of an NFL season in Dallas. There will be fans, guys. Oh, by the way, hours later, the Washington Redskins have announced there will be zero fans. Not because they changed their name. Just they are not allowed to have fans. So in Jerry's division, the Washington Redskins will not have fans. The Philadelphia Eagles are not allowed fans in the stands. The New York Giants, questionable if they're allowed to have them in New Jersey. Dallas says, yeah, fill up that stadium, let's go. For anyone that doesn't think that that has some kind of impact on who's going to win that division, anybody that doesn't believe that a home field advantage with fans actually in the stands doesn't have some sort of impact on the season, you're kidding yourself. This is where, as sports bettors, we have to be insightful and pay attention to the outside noise. Philadelphia Eagles were my pick before Corona. I like them to win the division. I like them to play a prominent role here to maybe get to the Super Bowl. Dallas is winning this division based on the outside stuff. And I can tell you that now. All right. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll come on back. Lots more to talk about right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're out. Right. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, the play-in regular season bubble in the NBA is over. It's done. Some teams absolutely excelled. The Phoenix Suns were, pardon the pun, red hot and absolutely on fire. They didn't lose a game. And you have the other side of the spectrum where the Washington Wizards barely won their last game to, well, oh, They're still going home. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. But what are the odds? Who wins the West in the NBA? The NBA Futures came out. Obviously, in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks are the predominant favorite. They are going head and shoulders away from everybody else. But who wins the West? Some of these odds are a little bit different, and we'll talk about it. The Lakers plus 170 now. Clippers plus 185. The Rockets plus 700. The Nuggets plus 1,500. And the Blazers plus 1,600. I got to tell you, I thought that the Blazers... We're going to be bet a lot harder than this. Damian Lillard looks like a man on fire. He's been asked questions this week about why don't you leave Portland? Why don't you join a super team? And he said, I think we could do it here. I think C.G. McCollum and myself can win a championship here. Charles Barkley went out and gave his bold prediction that he thinks the Blazers are going to the championship. When Damian Lillard is red hot like he's been, he looks like a top five player in the NBA, maybe top three. I mean, that's how good he can be. They have no value. here. The Nuggets, oh, they've been a little sluggish of late. They're at 1,500. I know the regular season really is their forte, and their home court was taken away from them, so I understand that. Rockets at 700, I don't get this at all. Um, we have not seen this Rockets team be able to play any sort of defense at a quality level the entire time. I don't like this. I'll, uh, I'd rather have the Blazers at plus 1,600 than the Rockets at plus 700. The Clippers at plus 185 and the Lakers at 170 have been flip-flopping as the favorites, but they were both favorites before the lockdown at like plus 150. So the price has gone up a little bit on both. I know the Lakers have looked very sluggish and the Clippers have maybe have looked worse. Neither one of them have mattered. Any of their games really didn't care. Um, I think that means something. And, Mo, oh, by the way, that is what are the odds. But to take this a little further, I will say this. I was very concerned, and I told everybody on the air, real concerned about the Lakers and Clippers to win a championship once the shutdown and lockdown started. And the reason was is I understand the talent is there. We all get that the talent is there. But you have thrown these two teams together. LeBron James hadn't played with Davis, hadn't played with his team. They were resting Kawhi on the Clippers. They haven't played together. The continuity just isn't there. And you can tell me it's the bubble and they don't care, and I'm saying, sure, okay, I get it. It's the bubble and they don't care, right? Sure. something there's a little something to it. There's just a little something to the idea that you want to go in playing effectively. You have new teammates, new situation. I just want to go in a little effective. I want a little bit here. I want to see something. Give me something. And we haven't gotten anything. So let's just take a look real quick at some of the matchups that we'll have. Coming up on Tuesday, Milwaukee, number one seed against Orlando, the number eight seed. Orlando has home court advantage, I guess. I don't think it matters. I mean, I think Milwaukee really is the team that's going to steamroll everybody here. Milwaukee looks like they are the best team in the league. They look like they have the best player in the league. Orlando is a tough team. They're a tough out. They may play a game or two real tough I think it's going to be surprising if they don't get swept out of the building. I really do. You know, you you see, you know, kind of who do you have and where these teams sit. I'm sorry. I just this is what I'm looking at. The Bucks are just too good. The Nets are going to play the Raptors. Raptors should have very little problem with the Brooklyn Nets team that I think they're probably going to recruit me to jump on because they have no players left at this point. Celtics, Sixers, Heat and Pacers are left. I gave the Sixers a fighting chance. I just can't see it. Pacers are missing too much. The Heat were red hot for a little while there, and they have the ability to get red hot. Celtics, I still think, have the talent, but it's near impossible to go away from the Bucs right now. The way that they're playing with the guy that they have on this team and the way he's playing, you can't go against it. Grizzlies, Mavericks, they're nice stories, as are the Jazz. I mentioned the Rockets, Thunder, Nuggets. Look, this is Lakers-Clippers. You know, if I'm looking for a dark horse here, I know the Nuggets have that kind of team, but I think that the home court really hurts them. I don't believe in the Thunder or the Rockets whatsoever. I know a lot of people do. And the Jazz have disappointed me. I think if there's one team that you have to look at, you know, look, the Blazers are, are a pretty good one, but if there's one team you really have to look at and you have to say, you know, that's kind of the team, it might be the Mavericks, maybe. They got, look, you got a healthy Donkey healthy Porzingis, all of a sudden, I am really, really paying attention. I'm paying attention because both of those players eh, haven't even scratched the surface, I don't think. They've scratched the surface of what's to come and how good they can be. So that's where we sit with the NBA. I'd like to tell you that I have a different feeling. It seems like before the year, it was going to be Bucks or one of the L.A. teams. It seems like before Corona took place, it was going to be the Bucks against one of the L.A. teams. Now we're through the first regular season in the bubble and we're going into the playoffs. Guess what? Looks like it's going to be the Bucks against one of the L.A. teams. Not a lot of difference here. A lot of chalk going down. And that's kind of just the way it stands. As with the NHL, let's take a look. The NHL... You know, with the layoff, with the acquisition of Lerner and the goalie, you have to think that Vegas is got a great shot. Just a great shot to win this thing. Boston, Carolina, that's gonna be, you know, that was it's gonna be a, a nail biter no matter what happens. You know Tampa is always, always on my short list of People I'm still mad out about last year. <laughs> Columbus is still dangerous. It seems like everybody kind of is into Dallas. I get the love there. St. Louis you can't discount. Washington's got that championship pedigree. Even though I think the Islanders could be feisty, they got that championship pedigree. Philly was playing better than anybody else in the league, it seemed, for a short time there. But when all is said and done, and, and I can't not mention you know Colorado, who's got the defense and the speed. When all is said and done, I, I still think Vegas has the best combination for a bubble-like atmosphere for a situation where you have two goalies, two superior goalies. You got, you know, that added boost of an injured player coming back during the early rounds. You have scorers that last year maybe maybe didn't live up to full expectations, but you know what? They have it in them. I think Vegas is in a tremendous position right now if you're asking me for my Stanley Cup finals I'm still gonna stay say uh, you know Tampa Vegas makes sense I know Dallas was one of the teams that I threw out there but Tampa Vegas makes a lot of sense that Dallas I like Dallas let me explain this to everybody I like Dallas because I love the hot goalie now why Vegas steps up to the plate for me so much is because they're gonna ride whoever the hot goalie is I, I, I have a hard time believing Vegas will ever lose two games in a row So that's why I like that. But if a guy like Bishop can turn around and just get hot, oh boy. Oh boy. You know, let's uh, really turn around and take a look at that. We don't have to worry about the NBA, NHL resting guys anymore. But that started to become really, really something that was an interesting take there. Guys being rested and whatnot. But I do think we still need to keep an eye on minutes how long they're going to be benched if if a team is up 2-0 and they have a two-goal advantage are they going to rest guys look this is it's a playoff scenario and there's no travel but i don't think it's easier on their bodies i don't think this is an easier situation so it's something to pay attention to someone that might have a quick ding up you know little injury may not have any time to recover they're playing just a truncated schedule to me that might get pushed off remember what happened just this week boston carolina because of a five overtime game had to be pushed off these things do happen when you're inside a bubble and you're inside of the the the, let's pay attention at all times because any little information can change this is this is real real stuff that we have got to seriously pay attention to all right just a couple of uh, notes about the nfl And I will get into Major League Baseball. Like I said, I have the first quarter numbers and a lot of things I want to mention about Major League Baseball. But I want to get into the NFL, into a little bit of fun. But you'll see how I could tie this into a betting aspect, especially you guys, you fantasy players out there, daily fantasy guys as well. Make sure you're listening because I'm going to win you some money here. Twitter is a funny beast. Being on Twitter is a fun beast freak show. It's what I call it. You, know, you have a lot of tough guys. You got a lot of people that, that say things that are just ridiculous. But every now and then, you get a little nugget of information that probably shouldn't have been released to the general public. There probably shouldn't have been something said or something done. And these things kind of squeak out. And then all of a sudden, they take on a mind of its own. But there are certainly things that we can highlight. For example, This week, Chargers, or last week this was actually, Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen basically came out and said, I am the best receiver in the game, right? I'm the best receiver in the game, bar none. He sort of called big-time guys out, and Tyreek Hill was one of them that he really called out and generally said, hey, yeah, you're fast, but I'm a better receiver, Uh, I don't want to say he threw Philip Rivers under the bus, but certainly alluded to the fact that (laughs) you got Patrick Mahomes. I had old man Rivers, right? Keenan Allen went scorched earth on quite a few people. Mike Evans is a guy that he threw out there. Um, He has plenty of confidence. That's fine. Keenan Allen, sure, do your thing. But hold on. What happened? Mike Evans responded, hey, you tagged the wrong Chris, Chris Godwin is better than you and don't be mad we ain't making the rankings because this was the nfl rankings is uh reaction to it i like the conference but be realistic you're not on my level bro so now mike evans is snapping back and you go okay sure it's a little yeah it's a little little argument a little fight no big deal but you start to break it down and you go these top 100 lists they get me annoyed i'm not a player and i'm not on the list I think there is some fuel. I think when you get to a professional level, look, all you have to do is look at Tom Brady. All we got to hear about how many times Tom Brady hasn't been chosen, right? All you got to do is look at Aaron Rodgers. Every day Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown, somehow or another it's got to be brought up. Well, team's passed on him, and you got to sit and wait in the room. Don't think that these guys are mature enough to get past this stuff. I wouldn't be, okay? They're going to use anything they can as motivation. Keenan Allen right now is going to use this as motivation. Mike Evans is going to use this as motivation. Tyreek Hill, motivation that I think I should have been ranked higher. Motivation that I am better than you. Motivation is a big factor. And it's a big factor when you're looking at a player that wants to prove something. Why all of a sudden do players play better in a contract year? Is it that they got better that year? Did they just happen to get better? No. They maybe trained that extra 45 minutes that day. Maybe they just demanded the ball a little bit more. Maybe they put in that extra 20 minutes of film work, whatever it might be. Somehow, some way, year after year, sport after sport, players get better on a contract year. Why? They got something to prove. Well, Keenan Allen showing that he's got something to prove. Mike Evans snapping back at him shows maybe he's got something to prove. You look around the league. Tyreek Hill has got something to prove. You look around the league, and you can make arguments. Listen, slot receiver versus an X receiver. Keenan Allen's a good play. All of this is very true, but it's the rankings. So when we go to the rankings, besides these two, how about this? Patrick Mahomes with the best, I'm going to say the best Twitter comment without ever making a comment in Twitter history. Can I give Patrick Mahomes another trophy? Yeah, that's what he did. So the rankings come out, which were absolutely ridiculous, by the way. The the top 10 rankings on the NFL Network are usually absolutely ridiculous. Top 10 players, NFL Network, in case you didn't hear, then I'll get into the Mahomes stuff. Lamar Jackson, number one player in the NFL. Sure, he won the NFL MVP last year. This is a disgrace of a pick. Number two, Russell Wilson. All right, I'm okay with that. Number three, Aaron Donald. Sure. Number four, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, who has a Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes, who lifted up a Super Bowl in year two, Patrick Mahomes, who has an MVP, happened to fall to number four. And he was number three among all quarterbacks. What did Patrick Mahomes do? All he did was put up an emoji on Twitter with a guy taking notes. Isn't that the best Patrick Mahomes response? But it shows you something. It shows you that these athletes will use things to their benefit you are the highest paid player he owns part of the royals right the highest paid player in the league the league's next 15 years you're the face of the franchise you're an mvp you're a super bowl winner. you've done everything with your career that you could possibly hope for patrick mahomes but he's taking notes because he feels slighted he feels slighted these are things i'm paying attention to do i think patrick mahomes is going to be better this year because of this no but I do think he's going to be better this year. If you could imagine that, I do. Um, real quick, just going over the rest of the top ten because I'm sure you guys want to know. So Lamar Jackson, garbage, uh, terrible ranking, number one overall. Russell Wilson, I'm okay with that. Aaron Donald, three. Mahomes, four. Michael Thomas, five. Christian McCaffrey, six. George Kittle, seven. DeAndre Hopkins, eight. Stephon Gilmore, nine. And Derrick Henry, ten. Uh, this list is is basically a bunch of crap. Most of this list is is a disgrace to everything that's holy and good. (laughs) There's not an offensive lineman on the list. What do we all know? Offensive line wins game. There's not an offensive lineman on the list. On the list. Come on. Come on now. Uh, So just to, to throw it out there, my top 10, right? I got Aaron Donald number one. So we're not that far off. I got Russell Wilson number two. Not that far off. I got Patrick Mahomes number three. Yeah, I think it's fair that he's not quite as good as Russell Wilson, yeah? I got Quentin Nelson number four. Quentin Nelson, who didn't even make their, their top ten. I got him number four. Gilmore is five because I think cornerbacks are more important. I got McCaffrey at six. I got Kittle at seven. I got Wagner at eight. Bobby Wagner, middle linebacker. Led the league in tackles, I don't know, like seven years in a row. And then I got, to round it off, I got T.J. Watt, Mack, and McCaffrey. I think defense means something. Guys I certainly could have put on there. Thomas, I don't mind if he's not on there, sure. Uh, just missed for me. Trey White, Tre'Davious White has got to be close. Hunter, uh, Danelle Hunter in the middle for Minnesota is massively impactful. If you're going to put Aaron Donald in the top two or three, got to put Hunter in the top ten. Okay, you got, I, I, j- he just missed for me. Uh, Jamal Adams, best safety in the game. I think he misses the top ten, but I want to give him a nod here. Um, Breeze has got to be up there, and Brady has to be there. Lamar Jackson, the number one player on their list, did not make my top 10. He didn't do it. I need to see more than one year. I need to be, see more than one year in a gimmicky system. And I'm sorry, that's, uh, that's what that is. It's one year in a gimmicky system. All right, real fast, I want to just do a little gaming news, and then I promise you, we will get to the Major League Baseball, uh, uh, the, the one-quarter mark, the things that we're going to be talking about, because it is important. It is very important. But I want to give you some good news. With all the bad news, I'm going to give you a little good news. Over 300, and this is from Ben Fox. I want to give credit where credit's due. Ben Fox is reporting over $315 million was waged on sports betting in New Jersey alone for July 2020. Somehow or another, during a global pandemic, during sports being paused or bubbleized, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm using, that's my word, by the way, sports were either bubbleized. New Jersey sports betting was up 165 million through to, from last June. Uh, you got to just give it a lot of credit. People are still betting, guys, and that is why we are still on the air here. All right, I want to definitely get into Major League Baseball, but before we do, we have a little NFL news in Bet to the Future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet, to, the bet to the future. All right, I said NFL news and a bet to the future. That's right. Antonio Brown, oh yes, Antonio Brown, he's going to be suspended for eight games, we know that. We know Antonio Brown has said he cannot wait to come back and play, and then he retired. And then he said, I can't wait to play, then he retired. And then he said, yeah, I'm going to come back to the end, then he retired. Uh, I think he's retired like four times since the announcement, but there are betting odds. Will Antonio Brown play any games in 2020? Look at how this is worded before I give you the odds, and then we'll come back to it. Will Antonio Brown play any games in 2020? No is minus 150. Yes is plus 110. I am all over the yes, plus 110. I've already heard teams talking to him, Seattle being one of the teams that is out there. Last year, Kareem Hunt was suspended for eight games, came back. People seem to forget what he did. He came back. He became a fantasy asset. He became a big asset for the Browns. Got a new contract. This guy's living life perfectly okay. Antonio Brown is one of those rare talents that people will continue to take chances on, uh, despite his mouth, despite his attitude, because they think they can get some of that talent back. Plus 110 is a good number. I'm going to take plus 110. But I will say be cautious of it because of the way it's worded. Will A.B. play any games in 2020? Well, guys, if coronavirus strikes and there's a shortened NFL season, God forbid, God forbid. But if there is and Antonio Brown doesn't play, you lose the ticket. That is bet to the future. All right. Let's talk a little Major League Baseball here. And I want to give you some stats to go on. They are only purely statistics. This does not mean it should overly influence you, but you should park it away in your brain and know exactly what this stuff means. So. Let's talk about Major League Baseball on the money line. Right now, we're a quarter of the way into the season, or a little bit more. Home teams are winning at about a 52% clip. So home teams are winning at a decent clip. Last year, home teams won at about a 53% clip. It's about the same. Home teams do not dominate like they do in other sports. In the NFL, home teams tend to dominate. In Major League Baseball, 53% last year. In the shortened quarter of a season, we've had a 52% win rate. Keep that in mind. Keep in mind also that home teams are usually the favorite. You could see that you will lose money if you just bet home teams flat. So that's something to pay attention to. Getting to the favorites. Favorites? Oh, this is really interesting. Favorites so far this year? hitting just over 60%. Favorites in 2019 ended off just over 60%. It's near identical. It's fractions of a point difference. It's a game or two difference. Uh, From this point to last point. So the trends with a shortened season, the trends with no people in the stands, the early trends are home teams are winning at nearly an identical clip. Favorites are covering at nearly an identical clip. Home favorites, uh, just about 60%. Last year, 60%. So there's no general change there. Home underdogs, 38%. Home underdogs in 2019, 40%. So what I read from these numbers is this. Don't change your betting strategy because it's a bubble or because it's no fans or whatever you want to say what's going on in baseball. Don't change it that much because the early trends are very simple. Home teams winning percentage, favorites covering, home favorites covering, home underdogs covering, all of it is within a point or two percentage-wise of what they were in 2019. And that alone should give you some solace that Major League Baseball is not all that different from a betting perspective. You have correction, and then you have overcorrection. And I've seen a lot of overcorrection, but the numbers here are telling you you don't need to overcorrect too much. Right? I mean, it's basically even. That's just the way it is. How about uh, if you really want to go a little bit deep, how about over-unders? Something I generally really do like. And I was trying to find something here that was jump off the page, was a bold mark here. What jumps off the page at me? Well, over-unders, these are the totals, 2019, 2,336 unders, 2,360 overs, 236 pushes for just about a 50% split. It's 49.7%. Using, depending on using the sports books, because I've looked at different numbers, you could get that all the way up to 49.9% with some of those pushes going to, uh, to the under. So 49.7, 49.9%, it's almost even dead even for 2019 on over-unders you know what that means the sports books are putting out dead on numbers that's a beautiful number 50 percent is a beautiful number for them this year however the overs are hitting just about 44 percent now you don't think a five point difference or almost a six point difference in this case is a massive difference that is a massive difference when we're discussing totals totals are absolutely just crushing on the under. Now, I think they're crushing on the under. And Remember, last week we talked about how the ball's flying out, but the correction is that the totals are getting bigger and bigger. I think a lot of it has to do with the idea that people just expecting more and more runs. And early in the season, maybe it's been the bats not being able to catch up with no spring, and we know pitchers should adjust quicker than hitters, and there is a lot of that logic. But I also believed coming into the season that bullpens would be stronger. I thought the bullpens would be stronger because you don't have to use those crazy middlemen. you don't mind burning out your guy and playing a half a season because you're not really burning him out that middle guy instead of going to the fifth guy uh, you know in your bullpen and saying ah just get me a couple outs I don't want to burn this guy out you'll run him out there two days in a row three days in a row maybe. So I thought that the bullpens would play a pivotal role, and I think that they have. The unders are absolutely crushing it to a 6% difference coming in from last year. That's, listen, that's reality, right? That's reality. I think that it will go back to the meme. I do believe that we're going to see a lot more overs, okay? So I would start buying some overs here, but just pick your spots. Pick the weak bullpens. Be paying attention to the weak bullpens, and you can make some money from here on out. Talk about making some money from here on out. How about we have a little discussion about Major League Baseball and what I'm looking at as a player from here on out? Because it is an interesting real observation that the teams that are doing well right now, the Tigers, the Orioles, and the Marlins, are all actually doing well right now. And when you really kind of take a step back, you look at the standings and you say, all right, the Yankees and the Rays are battling for first place. That makes sense. The Orioles are over 500 and playing well. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. The Twins, yeah, we thought that they'd be up there. But the Tigers? You know, the A's, Astros, Rangers, uh, okay, you know, and the Astros aren't playing real well. There's reasons for all that. You go, and you say, well, it's the Rockies and the Dodgers. The Rockies are a bit of a surprise, right? But the Rockies are always, you know, a, a decent team. Cubs, Brewers, and nothing surprising there. And then you go, Phillies five and nine, the Nationals under five hundred, the Mets under five hundred, Braves barely above five hundred, and the Marlins are leading the division. Now, your immediate instinct as a sports better is to find buy-on positions, right? Your immediate instinct as a sports better is to find positions that I'm able to buy on, buy into, and jump on top of and say, okay, I'm gonna find this. You're not gonna find a good position to ever get in on this. Yankee team right now because uh, look, they are just ridiculous and their price is massively high. So it brings us to the Tigers, the Orioles, and the Marlins. And the Tigers, the Orioles, and the Marlins are three teams right now that are playing above their head. Or are they? Are they playing above their head? Because you do have some quality starters on some of these teams. The Marlins, they have a young team, they have a young roster. But some players here, especially when you're really turning around and you're looking at the starting pitching, some of these guys, eh, maybe they could make some waves. You look at at, at an Orioles team now, they don't have starters, but the Tigers have some decent bullpen arms, got some pop in the bat. I I think the immediate reaction from a sports bettor is to buy against all of these teams. I think you can't just do that in a bubble. And I may be inclined to go the other way here and say... I still think that there's some value. I believe that Major League Baseball, at its core, is the easiest sport to make money on because the public is slow to react to different trends. I often go back to the year where Greinke was either an underdog or a very slight favorite for 10 of his starts, and I think he won 9 of the 10. Baldar Jimenez won 10 or 11 games in a row. He was basically the same situation way back when for the old folk back there. Every year you have a guy that you kind of just jump on. Kyle Hendricks a couple of years ago, uh, right in the Cy Young conversation for most of the year, his numbers really didn't adjust. They never really adjusted to him. So it takes some time for people to adjust. The Marlins have the Braves, the Mets, the Nats, the Mets for their next four series. Teams they're very familiar with. Teams that they can certainly give problems to. They'll be an underdog (laughs) in... Nearly all of those games. I, I'm looking at the Marlins and I'm saying, they could actually be a buy-on. They could actually be a buy-on situation. How about the Orioles? I came in and I thought the Orioles were going to be the best, worst team in the league. I said, I don't think the Orioles are getting 20 wins. I've been completely wrong on the Orioles. But now you look at the Orioles and you go, they got the Nationals, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and then the Rays. There's going to be some kind of regression here, but I don't think you can say with 100% certainty that the Blue Jays or the Red Sox are massively better than the Baltimore Orioles. I wouldn't be betting on the Orioles right now. I don't think that there's value betting on them. I still don't believe in the Orioles, but I'm certainly not going to be betting against with what I consider to be overly high lines. So I will be betting on the Marlins. I'm going to still stay away from the Orioles. Which brings me to the Tigers, who, to me, are the most surprising team. And I've lost some money betting against the Tigers this year. I took them this week against Dallas Geichel, and I lost some money on them. I'm crushing Major League Baseball. But I lost a little bit of money on the Tigers betting against them. Here's a, uh, an important part of their schedule, though. The next three series, the Indians, the White Sox, the Indians, then the Cubs, and the Twins. Guys, we're going to know very quickly... who this Detroit team is. And while I'll be betting on the Marlins in division against teams that I think that they're going to be massively, massive underdogs and probably some great value, and I'll probably shy away from Baltimore, not bet on or against, I think it is time to start betting against the Tigers just because of matchups. Just because you look at the matchups that they, they're going to be going up against, you're going to be going up against pitching staffs that absolutely know your hitters. You're going to go up against teams that absolutely know what's going on. And, and eventually you have to think that a Tigers roster that is just made up of less than quality talent is going to fade. So when we're sitting here this early in the season, but it's not that early, There are going to be some times where the books did not adjust. The books have not adjusted their rankings and their odds and their numbers on the Marlins, Orioles, or Tigers. And they may not because there are no household names. Name a household starting pitcher for any of those teams. They don't exist. You have young guys in the Marlins, unknowns on the Orioles, and retreads on the Tigers. I mean, that's who you are throwing out there every single day. And I might throw the Royals into this bunch as well because the Royals have a lot of young pitchers that people don't know about. The books will not adjust to young pitchers that are not massively touted and the books will not adjust to bad teams because what you're going to do is you're going to get Joe Blow who goes into the casino or grabs his app or picks up his number and goes, the Marlins suck. Oh, I'm going up against them. Oh, the Orioles and the Tigers, they're terrible. And that's just the mentality. It doesn't matter that the Marlins are over 500. It doesn't matter that the Orioles are in the race. It doesn't matter that the Tigers are impressing people and turning heads. It doesn't matter to the average Joe Blow better because through less than 20 games of the season, they aren't buying in. So this is where you can find some value. And I will absolutely be finding some value in the Marlins. I think that you have to pick your spots. Don't be taking the Marlins against Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom, okay? But the Marlins, they go up against the Mets' fourth starter. The Marlins seem to go up against the the Nationals' fourth or fifth starter. The Nationals are in that kind of position. Yeah, I'll be taking the Marlins at plus money this week. Orioles, I think you got to get a perfect situation. You know, the Orioles are a bashing team right now. They have a a, a mediocre starting staff, less than average starting staff, and their bullpen isn't great. And the Tigers are the same thing. Got to pick your spots on the Marlins, but I think you can make money on the Marlins. Orioles, I'm going to stay completely away from. I think it's now time to bet against the Tigers, though. And we'll revisit this next week. Betting against bad teams with, or betting with, I should say, bad teams with big numbers and betting against bad teams is, is a way to make up a lot of ground in Major League Baseball. You win two or three Marlins games, plus 160, plus 170. It's like a five-game winning streak, guys. So keep that in mind. New baseball betters. This is how you make money. It's the underdogs. It's the upstarts. It's jumping on a hot team before the public adjusts, and we see it happen all the time. So a lot of bad news in college football this week. Yeah, I get it. But the good news is we are moving forward with three conferences. And if it happens to be three conferences, it happens to be three conferences. Major League Baseball, there is a lot of time to be making money. And guys, we're going into the NBA playoffs. The official playoffs and hockey playoffs are in full force. This is going to be an awesome couple of months as we sprint towards the end. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back. And you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call one 4 garden That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.